You're listening to the Calm and Cozy Podcast. Practical advice for insomniacs, bedtime thinkers, and people who are in need of a serious timeout. This is episode 11. I'm Beth Wyatt, your insomnia and stress management coach. I'm also an artist, avid crocheter, expert napper, and self-love advocate. Today I'll be discussing one of my favorite topics, napping. I haven't always been a great sleeper, but I've always been a great napper. In my first podcast episode, I tell you about my two most triumphant napping moments, the time I napped on a basement couch during a backyard wedding, and the time I curled into the fetal position to fit on a brown pleather storage bench during a family gathering. There are a lot of expert nappers in my family. My Uncle Barry can nap on a hardwood floor in the middle of a busy room. My dad can fall asleep 10 minutes into an action movie, and he comes by it honestly because I have fond memories of his mom, my grandma Wyatt, falling asleep mere minutes into her favorite game show. My mom will change into her pajamas and get into her bed for her nap. I've been made fun of for years for taking naps. There are a lot of people who don't understand the concept of sleeping during the day, and at the same time, it doesn't make sense to me to force yourself to stay awake if your body's asking for a break. A NASA study found that a 40-minute nap increases alertness by 100%. Did you know that a 20-minute nap is more effective than one 12-ounce cup of coffee? Naps improve your working memory and memory retention. Napping improves creativity, prevents burnout, improves mood, and is good for your overall health. Sleep deprivation leads to an excess of the hormone cortisol in your body. Cortisol is the stress hormone, and too much of it can increase glucose intolerance and abdominal fat. It can weaken your immune system, affect memory and learning, and decrease levels of growth hormone and testosterone in our bodies. For me, a nap can get rid of a headache or help me solve a problem. I often go to lie down when I'm deep in thought about an idea, or I just need a mental break from everything going on around me. When I wake up from my nap, I'm ready to tackle the problem. Okay, so you're one of those people who can't nap because you wake up feeling worse. Are you napping somewhere comfortable? Because falling asleep sitting up in a bright room and waking up every time your head bobs or your mouth hangs open would make me feel gross too. How long are you napping? Have you tried setting an alarm and limiting the amount of time you're sleeping for? Are you better at cat naps or power naps? Do you need to sleep for longer than that to wake up feeling refreshed? I sure do. Through some experimentation, I've learned that 30 to 45 minutes is the perfect length for me to nap. I get enough sleep that I feel refreshed, but I haven't slept too long that I wake up feeling groggy. If you've tried everything and you just aren't a napper, don't worry, we can still get along. But I want to make sure that you're resting, even without sleeping, when your body needs it, and getting enough sleep at night. Before my sleep habits improved, I used nap as a way to deal with exhaustion and fatigue. I could be out for a good two to three hours if I didn't set an alarm, and I didn't realize until I became educated in sleep sciences that my naps were a sign of a sleep issue more than a nice way to take a little break. Napping is one topic I get asked about often, and every sleep expert will give you a slightly different answer. 
In fact, some will even give you a completely different answer. I've read sleep books that forbid naps, and they consider sleeping during the day a detriment to a healthy sleep cycle. My stance on the topic is this. Controlled naps are amazing when paired with healthy sleep habits. Here's my recipe for the perfect nap. Number one, assess the need. Are you wanting a break to recharge your batteries mentally or physically? Or is it because you slept horribly last night and you can't continue to function without one? This is important because as you've heard me say before, you can't catch up on missed sleep. If you feel like you desperately need to sleep during the day, then please take a look at your sleep habits because you most likely need more sleep at night. If you nap because you're overtired, skip the nap and go to bed a little earlier that evening. Getting your sleep-wake cycle back on track is much better than satisfying your temporary need for sleep and then not being able to sleep later on. Now, obviously, if the need to nap is urgent to being able to function safely or it's your only break for several hours, please do it. I'm assuming most of my listeners are not in the medical profession or driving trucks all night or working night shifts. Number two, choose the right time of day. This one's a little more involved, but try to stay with me because I find it interesting. Our homeostatic sleep drive, or the tiredness factor, refers to our drive to fall asleep. Our sleep drive is affected by how long we've been awake, and it operates as kind of a timer or a counter. Your sleep drive is satisfied most in the earliest stages of sleep, which can happen quickly after you first fall asleep. Once your sleep drive has been satisfied, if you wake up, it results in a low sleep drive for bedtime later. The goal is to nap early enough in the day that it satisfies your temporary sleep drive without negatively affecting your sleep at night. So as a general rule, you should be waking up from your nap at least four hours before you go to bed that night. Early afternoon, around 1 to 2 p.m., is great if you're able to nap at that time. Unfortunately, pulling a George Costanza and sleeping under your desk is frowned upon at some companies. Pay attention to your sleep drive in the evening. If you find you're not sleepy enough at night, move your nap to earlier in the day. Number three, control the length. The aspect that comes into play here is the 90-minute sleep cycle. My mini e-course goes deeper into the sleep stages and cycles. If you're interested, go to bethwyattcoaching.com and click on the freebies link. If you nap long enough to enter into the deep sleep stages, which happens about 45 minutes after falling asleep, you'll wake up feeling groggy, disoriented, and probably ready to fall back asleep. Waking up in the middle of a deep sleep, especially REM sleep, makes for a nap that is more tiring than refreshing. If you're one of the lucky people in the world who can take a power nap of under 20 minutes, I salute you. I am not one of those people. And if you can nap for this length of time, take advantage of that skill. If you're like me and you need longer than 20 minutes, set an alarm for either 45 minutes or 90 minutes. It has to do with sleep cycles again. A 45-minute nap will give you enough time to recharge without entering into deep sleep. A 90-minute nap will give you a complete sleep cycle without waking up feeling worse than you did before you fell asleep. Number four, pick the perfect spot. Now, not everyone can fall asleep sitting straight up in a chair and consider it a restful nap like my dad can. Some of us need to lie down on a soft surface with a pillow and a blanket. If you're in need of a nap, make it a good one. Remove distractions and relocate to a more comfortable location. It's okay to go to your bedroom and lie down in your bed. 
If you have a favorite napping couch like I do, doesn't everyone? That's great too. If your nap's uncomfortable and your gaping mouth and your drool keep waking you up, stop fighting it and just go lie down already. Naps are one of my favorite things in the world and always will be. The more I learn about sleep and the mystery that still surrounds a lot of it, the more I choose to believe that we all sleep differently and what works for one doesn't necessarily work for all. Have you heard of a coffee nap? The Canadian mattress company Endy recently blogged about the art of the coffee nap, and here's what they had to say. When consumed, caffeine fits into a receptor in your brain that's normally filled by a molecule called adenosine, which at high enough levels can make you feel tired. Once caffeine crosses your brain, it competes with adenosine to block the receptors. Since sleeping naturally clears adenosine from the brain, and coffee takes about 20 minutes to kick in, a quick nap after drinking coffee means caffeine will be able to block more receptors. Here's how you do it. Step one, drink coffee and drink it quick. It's important to give your body enough time for the caffeine to pass through your gastrointestinal tract and to enter your bloodstream. Step two, once you've downed your cup of joe, immediately go to sleep. This is the fun part. Step three, wake up in 20 minutes. Before you know it, you'll start to feel the caffeine and you'll be ready to conquer your to-do list. Just make sure you don't enter the deeper stages or you'll wake up feeling groggy. Experiment with your naps and embrace them. What better way to take a break from reality and come up with your best work after you wake up stronger and smarter? There's a reason the most successful companies in the world encourage their employees to take quick naps during the day and even install napping rooms in their office buildings. Let's recap. The four steps to a perfect nap involve assessing the need, choosing the right time of day, controlling the length, and picking the perfect spot. I'm constantly suggesting group nap times when I'm in a room full of people. I've yet to have any success with that, but now that we're all here chatting about how great naps are, anyone? This has been the Calm and Cozy Podcast, your resource for practical insomnia solutions. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave me a review on iTunes so the other bedtime thinkers can find us and join our sleep revolution. I'm also on Instagram every day, so come find me at sleepcoachbeth and say hello. Until next time, my friends, sleep well and stay cozy.